2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 2. This evening, my family and I were honored guests of Brother Guillermo and Sister Mirma, and we had a blast. And we found out that, uh, you know, I'm standing there looking at pictures on their refrigerator, that uh, for the last seven years, I've been working with her brother-in-law in New York City and know their family very well. And it was such a shock when I realized that, you know, wow, okay, I know who these people are. Uh, when I first saw her, when I saw Billy, I thought, you know, this guy looks just like his cousin. And, you know, I, I was so shocked. Brother Guillermo doesn't look at all like Pastor Tito Martinez. And you can be grateful for that. <laughs> and Brother Tito, if you just heard me, I didn't mean anything by that. <laughs> but we had a great time. And so we gathered around the piano and we were singing. And Brother Guillermo said, you know, we should sing in church tonight. And, uh, you know, let this be for the Lord, and hopefully some of the folks will enjoy that. So I hope that was a blessing to you. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 2. Uh, I'd like to ask that you'd follow along as I read this verse. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 2, a verse that has come to be a very important verse at my stage in life as I uh, have uh, seen the Lord kind of shift in the direction in which my wife and I have been working um, but I think you'll understand more as we go through the message tonight. 2 Timothy 2.2 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the blessing that it is to know you as my personal Savior. And Lord, the fact that I was able to hear the gospel at such a young age. Uh, Lord, thank you that I was raised in a Christian home. I was surrounded by the Bible and, Lord, by the preaching of your word. I thank you so much for that, Lord. So many people have never had that opportunity. And, Lord, I just want to thank you for that privilege. And so, Lord, I, I pray tonight that you would speak to us, that you would help us, and, Lord, that you would enable us to, to be more like you. Help us, Lord, to be faithful in reaching the next generation. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My great-grandmother McCoy had 16 children, and most of her children followed in her husband's footsteps. Now, my great-grandmother was a godly lady, but she was married at a time where here in the U.S., many Christians would marry non-Christians. That was very common. And uh, this would have been back in the late 1800s. And so she married a, an unbeliever. They began to raise their family. And as you would expect, many of her children uh, became alcoholics. Uh, they were involved in the things of the world. They had no interest in going to church or in anything having to do with the Bible. And so she began to pray as she was expecting her 15th child, which became my grandfather, that he would be a preacher. Uh, she prayed that he would be a preacher of the gospel, that he would reach his siblings with the gospel. And she herself had tried to talk to them, 
but to no avail. They would not listen to her. When my grandfather was born, she tried to take him to church, and he rebelled just like the rest of his siblings. He also became an alcoholic, but she never stopped praying for him. He would come back, and he'd be drunk as a young teen, and he would find his mom on her knees, weeping, praying for his salvation. This happened time after time. My grandfather found a young girl and uh, fell in love with her. She was 13 years old. Now, today we, we probably would not you know, recommend a 13-year-old began to date a 19-year-old. Uh, we just probably wouldn't do that. But uh, that was the case with them. And uh, he was very interested, and she was a Christian. And she said, well, the only place that you can meet me is at church. And so he decided to start going to church because he was very interested in this young girl, 13 years old, very beautiful girl, and uh, started going to church with her. Well, it didn't take long until the two of them fell in love. And then two years later, he decided that he was ready to introduce her to his lifestyle. And so on a Saturday night, he had, uh, he had tricked her. He had told her that they would be going to a picnic, and uh, she'd gotten all ready and everything. And instead, he took her to what in Missouri is called a honky-tonk. And uh, they showed up, and she noticed immediately that there was drinking and dancing going on. And as a 15-year-old girl, she said, I'm sorry, you take me home now. And uh, he said, no, 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 come in just for a few minutes. You can get, you know, uh, uh, get something to drink. You don't have to drink alcohol. You know, we'll have, a, uh, you know, we'll have something else to drink. And, and she said, no, you take me home now. Well, he got mad and he took her home. And then he went back to the honky-tonk and wound up getting drunk. Well, the next morning he woke up with a hangover and uh, took off for church with the hangover and showed up to pick her up, and her family was already gone to church. And so he went to the church, and when he got to the church, some of the young people at the church said, Hey, Ralph, uh, Catherine's not wearing your ring. What's going on? And he was just devastated. She would not sit with him that day. And uh, he sat towards the back. And he sat there listening to the preaching of God's Word, maybe for the first time actually listening to the words, you know, because before he'd only been there for her, and he was only interested in her. But that time he was actually listening to what God was saying, and he realized that he was a filthy, dirty, rotten sinner on his way to hell, and that he was going to suffer for all of eternity. And it was because of his bad decisions that this priceless young lady had decided she wanted nothing to do with him. After the service, he went out up into the hills, and he found a place under a tree, and he just began to cry out to God. And he said, Dear Lord, I made such a huge mistake. I've lost the greatest treasure that I've ever had in this young lady, a relationship with a fine young lady. I've lost it. I threw it away. Lord, I'm so sorry. Could you ever forgive me? And he prayed for quite a while. He says that he was down on his knees begging God for forgiveness when all of a sudden he felt like there was this unseen burden 
that got lifted off of his shoulders that he didn't even know he'd been carrying, but suddenly he didn't feel the burden of it anymore. He felt forgiveness. He felt that God had, had reached down from heaven and taken this sin away from him. And he, he, was, he was excited because he realized that something had changed. He went and found the pastor and he told the pastor what he'd done. And the pastor said, well, it's going to take some time for her to trust you again, but you be faithful to God. He started going to church not to sit with her but to learn for himself. He began to grow spiritually, and she noticed this. And eventually the two of them wound up getting married, and God called him to preach. Yes. My great-grandmother's prayers were answered many years after, humanly speaking, she should have given up. Probably everyone in this room has a son, a daughter, a niece, a nephew, who while they at some point in their life have known the things of the Lord and perhaps have even walked in the ways of the Lord, but today they're not where they ought to be. They've gone away from the things of God. Maybe today they're far, far from being in a church, far, far from reading their Bible or praying. And so what is it that we can do for them? We can pray for them and never give up on them. Amen. I'm speaking to you as one that, that understands very well. I have a nephew who today claims to be an atheist. He is a well-known atheist. He has a YouTube channel with over 500,000 followers in which he tries to draw young people out of church and into atheism. I have another nephew who has come out as non-binary and he's trying to encourage others in his church to consider that lifestyle. I have a niece who has now said I'm a lesbian and we love her, we love him, we love them, but we are very saddened by the decisions that they have made. And so what do we do for them? We pray for them. We don't give up on them. We, we have invested years of our life into them. We're not just going to walk away from them. Of course not. And so tonight I'd like to talk about how to reach the next generation and how we can make an impact on them. Because to be honest with you, unless we reach that next generation, then Christianity is doomed. See, someone has said this before. This is not original to me. We are one generation away from extinction as Christians. If it were not that someone told someone told someone, you wouldn't be here in church today. It was because somebody out there took the time to show you the Scripture, to help you to understand it, to lovingly mentor you in the steps of the Lord. That's why you're here today. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. And unless we do the same thing, then we're looking at certain extinction as Christians. And the things that thou hast heard of me, Paul wrote, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Every successful teacher of spiritual truth really needs to have four generations in mind. 
we need to first of all think about the generation of those who taught us. Tonight I'd like to ask you to think about those people who taught you. I'd even like to take that a step further and ask you that if somebody was vitally important in your coming to Christ, maybe they had a very special part in you coming to know the Lord, have you considered writing them a note of thanks just to say, thank you for investing in me. Thank you for telling me about the Lord. Thank you for leading me to Christ. Thank you for giving me a Bible. Thank you for loving me to the Lord. You see, we need to keep them in mind, but we also need to keep ourselves. We're the second generation. And then we need to keep that next generation in mind. That can sometimes be our children, but sometimes it's our spiritual children. Okay, do you know what I mean by spiritual children? That's someone that maybe is not directly related to you, but you're mentoring them. You're encouraging them in the ways of the Lord. But watch this not just to help them, but to help them to lead others also to Christ. Look here at the four generations in 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things which thou hast heard of me, Paul's first generation, Timothy's second generation, commit thou to faithful men, that's the third generation, who shall be able to teach others also, that's the fourth generation. So we need to keep four generations in mind. I think if, if we're going to be effective, we need to have a four-generation mentality in our teaching. God wants His servants. He wants parents to teach the Bible in a multi-generational style so that many future generations come to know Christ. My grandfather used to pray every day for the fifth generation not just for the first, second, third, all the way to the fifth generation. He prayed God. He, he said, hopefully in my life, he was the first generation, second generation, his children, third generation, grandchildren, fourth generation, great-grandchildren, fifth generation. He said, Lord, if you'd allow me to see some of my fifth generation. Now, he only got to the fourth generation, but he's already been praying for my grandchildren Okay, who have not yet been born. I don't have any grandkids yet, in case you're wondering. But he was praying for them before he died, and he passed away in 1996. I think for the message to reach that fourth generation, the message needs to be clear. We need to be very clear in what we're teaching our children. They need to understand very well what it is that we're telling them about God's Word. Secondly, it needs to be Bible-based. Could I encourage you, don't preach opinions, don't teach opinions, don't emphasize your preferences, emphasize the Bible, emphasize what the Bible teaches, okay? Uh, you can't find a verse that says, thou shalt give out gospel tracts, okay? You, you won't find a verse that says that, all right? But you will find the verse that says that we are to take the gospel to every creature. This is one way that we do that. I think sometimes people feel if they gave out a gospel track a week, they've already accomplished everything they need to do. And I have to tell you, there's probably more that God wants us to do than just hand out a single track a week. But let's focus on what the Bible teaches, not on my preferences. You know, everybody has certain things that they like. 
uh, certain things that I like. For example, I love air-conditioned churches. Amen. Uh, you know, and I think some of you do too. And I'm looking forward to your new building. I've already heard about the air conditioner over there. I'm so looking forward to coming back and hopefully getting icicles on my nose while I'm preaching. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen here this week, and I'm all right with that. And I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. But but the point is, you know, you you can preach about things that are your preferences. That's not going to help the next generation. Emphasize the Bible. Yes. Emphasize what God's Word has to say. So be Bible-based. Second, uh, third, uh, life-changing things. I had a preacher one time tell me, he said, don't preach a what message. I said, what are you talking about? He said, don't preach a what message. He said, a what message is just a lecture. He said, you should preach a how message, how you can do something, or preach a why message, why you should do it. He said, preaching needs to be transformational. If it's just informational, if we sit around and go, oh, wow, I learned a whole lot tonight. Okay, how's that change your life? Uh, I don't know. If we don't have something that we can go out from here saying, okay, I need to make this change in my life because of these reasons and do it in the following way, then have we really had a change in our heart or in our mind? And so preaching and teaching, when we teach our next generation, uh, that needs to be life-changing. We need to give them some things that they should consider changing in the way that they're living. And then it needs to be memorable. They need to remember it. So do something that they won't forget. Okay. Uh, sometimes we have to be a little crazy. Last night I was talking about being creative. Uh, we have to do that. So as the Lord has impressed upon this to me, uh, so far all of this is introduction, by the way. So if you think I'm coming to a close, where I'm just getting started. Um, and I'll go through my points really fast. All right. But I find here in this, in this passage three things, three, three uh, factors that I believe will ensure that that message gets to those next generations. Number one, that we need to teach the correct content. Notice what it was that Paul said to Timothy that he needed to teach. He said, and the things that thou hast heard. Um, it's very important that we teach what we have learned. We've learned from the Word of God, okay? Um, let, let's, not, let's not try to invent new things. I, I've heard some preachers, boy, you know, they, they feel like they, they need to tell you something you've never, ever heard before. And I, I feel a little uh, ill at ease when a pastor comes and says, now folks, tonight I'm going to share something with you that most likely you have never heard before. Well, I mean, unless you're a brand new church that's only got baby Christians in it, uh, I, I don't think that that's probably going to be good. Uh, because most of the, what you're going to hear, at least me preaching, I'm sure you've heard it many times before. Uh, I, I doubt I'll say anything this week that you'll go, oh my goodness, I had no idea that we were supposed to pray. I never heard about that. Uh, most of you in this room have been hearing that you need to pray for years. I don't think anybody here is going to go, oh, wow, I didn't know I was supposed to read the Bible. Why didn't somebody tell me about that? Uh, most everyone in here knows you're supposed to read the Bible. Uh, no one's going to say, oh, I had no idea I, had to, I need to be faithful in going to church. No, you already know about that. So we're just reviewing things we already know. But it's so important just to be reminded at times. This is the way we're supposed to live. God honors that right living. So we need to teach that which we have heard. And then notice that later on in the verse, it says, who shall be able to teach 
others also. That, that ability of giving it to that last generation, that fourth generation, is when it's very, very clear. Okay. For example, if, if we were to put up here up front four people, and, um, and I were to say to the first person, whisper something in their ear, and then they were to whisper it in the next person's ear, and then they were to whisper it into the next person's ear, the only way to ensure that the same message goes through all four people is to be very clear, very precise, and very careful in what you're saying. Because if you use something that's a little complicated, something that maybe is not quite clear, then when they go to repeat it to the next person, they're going to get it messed up. And you've probably seen those skits where that they do get things messed up. You know, the whole... Uh, I don't know if any of you remember uh, Norman Rockwell. I know I'm dating myself here, but there was a Norman Rockwell painting of one person talking to another person, and then, you know, it went all the way down through the line. It was like 30 different people, and then finally it got back to the first person. They're like, what? No way. I never said that. And uh, and, and and so in order for, for this to be what it should be, we need to be very clear uh, and, and teach them that which we have learned. So... Number one, teach the correct content. Number two, train the right people. Train the right people. Uh, of course, we should train our children, okay? Those of us who are parents, we have a responsibility to train them. But I think that sometimes God gives us spiritual children that maybe aren't our own children, but they're people who we need to be training. Uh, I'm thinking right now of several young men that I'm involved in helping to train. Uh, several, even young ladies that my wife is involved in training. Why? Because God has brought them into our lives. We have been able to mentor them. We've watched them grow spiritually. We see that they're in the process of beginning, uh, in, in my case, a young man who is translating the Word of God into a language spoken by an indigenous group in Mexico. And uh, he and I have been working together for about 10 years, and we talk almost every week. And he says, hey, you know, what do you do about this kind of stuff? And so we talk about about it, that type of, of connection with him, that's so important. But train the right people. What kind of people are those? Look at what it says in our verse. It says, In the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. What does it mean to be faithful? It means to, to do what God has told us to do, to keep the faith. That's why it's faithful. These are people who have maintained their faith in God and continue to do the things which God has taught them. And then there needs to be an ability to teach. Notice, who shall be able to teach others also. Now, in order to have an ability to teach, there's two ways you can get it. Some people have a natural ability to teach. Some people have to learn how to teach. Okay, some of you in this room, maybe you taught your children, and when you started out, it was rough. But you just kept at it, you kept working on it, and then God helped you to be able to teach them. And so first of all, teach the right content. Number two, train the right people. And then number three, be a faithful example. Now this is my last point, but I'd like to talk about three different areas in which we need to be a faithful example. Because this person here that Timothy is going to train, these people that Timothy is going to train, they need to have certain aspects. Number one, I would suggest that they need to be a good mentor. What is the definition of a mentor? A mentor is a person who is experienced 
and trustworthy as an advisor. Could I say this? Today we live in a society that it's not enough to tell someone, just do so because I say so. Now, some of you may have been raised with that type of mentality, like your grandparents didn't try to explain things, just do it because I said to. I'm the grandpa, I'm the grandma, you just do it because I tell you to. And so you did it. If I can say it this way, that's not going to work for this next generation. They need to understand why. If we don't have a valid reason for why we do what we do, they're probably not going to do it. That's why we need to think through why is it that we go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Why is it that we go to special meetings at the church? I mean, come on. Do you really think that's necessary? Well, is there anything in the Bible that says that when the doors of the church are open, you're supposed to be there? Well, actually, there is a verse. Okay? It's in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 25. And it says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. So as long as the church doors are open, we need to be there. That's something that I learned from my parents and from my grandparents. And we went. I mean, we went to church. We were there Sunday morning, Sunday night. As a matter of fact, we were the ones that opened the church and we closed the church. Uh, I mean, you know, from a young age, I knew how to turn off the lights and how to turn on the lights and, and everything in between. And, uh, and to be honest with you, I've, I'm kind of stuck in that way. I almost feel slightly backslidden if I'm not the last car out of the parking lot. You know, it's like maybe I didn't quite do my job because there's other cars still there. Maybe they need me. I need to stick around. You know, I've kind of got that stuck in me, you know. But, um, but be a mentor. Secondly, be an example. Uh, what does this mean to be an example? Okay, don't tell people what to do. Show them by doing it. My father-in-law was a pastor in Washington State. One day his neighbor came over to him and said, Pastor Guillermo, he said, uh, why is it that your children are so well-behaved and mine aren't? He said, I always tell my kids, you go to his church. You, you do what his kids do. You, you act like them. He said, but but they don't. He said, why is it that my kids aren't like your kids? And my father-in-law says, well, because you're not going there too. He said, don't tell them to do something you're not doing. He said, you're smoking a cigarette and you're telling them don't smoke. You're drinking alcohol and you're saying don't drink alcohol. You're cursing and you're saying don't curse. You're, 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 you're living with different women and you say don't live with different women. Your kids are going to do what they see you doing. He said, the reason that your kids are all messed up is because you're all messed up. And he started crying. He said, well, you're right. But he still didn't change. That man lost his family. Every one of his kids, humanly speaking, they're messed up. His grandkids, same story. You see, friends... If we're not willing to be a good example to our family and 
teach them by doing what it is that they're supposed to do, they're not going to do that which we tell them unless they see us doing it ourselves. And so we need to let the message change us. Have you ever been telling someone something from God's Word and fallen under the conviction of your own words? Uh, Can I tell you that I surrendered to be a Bible translator after a message that I preached myself? I preached a message on the need for Bible translators, and after the message, I surrendered to be a Bible translator. You say, well, that's kind of funny. Well, the thing is, is I, as I was hearing myself preach, I realized that the person to whom I was preaching was God preaching to me. And when I finished, I went down and I knelt and I said, okay, Lord, I give up. I'll do it. You see, the thing is, we need to let that message that we're teaching them change us as well. So when we're telling them, hey, kids, you need to be praying, we need to listen to what we're actually saying. And we need to evaluate, am I praying? Hey, kids, you need to be reading your Bible. We need to let that message affect us. Am I reading the Bible? When we say, hey, kids, you need to be in church, are we letting that message affect me and say, hey, I need to be in church? Because quite often we're telling our kids to do things. We're not doing them. We're living one life and we're telling them to live another life and we think it's going to work. Forgive me for saying it this way, but that's a really funny kind of stupid it doesn't work. You, you, you tell them what to do. You have to do it as well. And then third, we need to motivate our family. We need to motivate those that God has brought our way. Uh, motivation is an incentive. Sometimes we have to give a little incentive. Yesterday, I was at the home of some wonderful dear people here in the church. And this... Uh, I won't mention her name, but she's here. A young lady came out with a jar of chocolate chips and placed them on the table. And uh, she was wanting her mother to give her a task to perform because if she performs this task, her reward is a chocolate chip. And she knew it. And she brought it out and put it on the table and she wanted to know what she needed to do. You know, if I were in that home, I'd do the same thing. Uh, Brother Matt, I'd have my jar. You know, I'd put it out on, what do you want me to do, Miss Sarah? You know, I mean, wow. Um, Brother Steve was giving his testimony a while ago, and he said, other than God and the Bible and church, what else do we need? And I looked over at my wife, and I said, chocolate. Uh, But, um, you know, we, we, we need a motivation. And sometimes for our kids, they need just a little motivation. Uh, to, to follow in the things of the Lord. I'm not saying that every time you have to come to church, you have to give them something. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But when you see your kids walking with God, that's a good time to encourage them. Say, hey, you know what? You're trying to do right. I appreciate that. Listen, as your dad, I love you. I want you to, to know that and, and, and just motivate them. Others need to understand our reasons before that they accept our lifestyle. You know, sometimes we, we want people to, to accept who we are, why we're Christians, why we do these things, but we haven't taken the time to tell them why it is that we do these things. I, I think tonight, uh, hearing Brother Steve's testimony, that was very 
uh, powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. I think that's something that uh, a lot of more people need to hear. I'm grateful that your grandson, hopefully Caleb was in, in time to hear you give that testimony or he's heard you give that testimony before. But you see, when, when you understand why it is that, that you feel the way you do about the things of God now, that makes more sense. It's like, ah. Oh. As I was sitting there, Brother Steve, I'm going to tell you something. I had never understood until tonight. See, our first May in Mongolia, we had just gotten there. And Mother's Day came around. Right. And he said, we have to find a corsage for the ladies. Yes. It's now, really bear in mind, <laughs> in Mongolia, they don't use corsages on Mother's Day. But this man moved heaven and earth and found three corsages for Miss Christy, for Miss Kathy, and for Marcy. And made sure that the three of them had a corsage on Mother's Day. And I'd never understood why until today when he was talking about his mom. And it suddenly clicked. You see, generational Christianity, generational Christianity depends on us helping our kids understand where we've come from so that they can know why we're going in the direction that we're going. And as a dad and as a mom who are here tonight, and you don't want your kids in the things of the world, you want your kids in the paths of the Lord, then then put this verse into practice. To me, this verse has become a very special, almost like a guiding star. The things that I've learned. Okay, I'm 52 years old. I'm probably never going to learn another language to translate the Bible into that language. But I can teach people who can learn other languages how to translate the Bible. I probably will never start another church. I've helped to start several churches, but I'll never start another church. But I can work alongside young men who are going to start a church, and they have the stamina and the endurance and the vision, and I can encourage them and mentor them. I'll probably never do some of the things that I've done in the past, but I can stand next to others who will and encourage them to do it. And so tonight, I want to encourage you to have a multi-generational view towards your faith in Jesus Christ. Because some of us in this room, if we're honest, we're probably not going to do some of the things we've done before. But we can be there for those who will and encourage them greatly. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, our homes depend upon us being faithful to you and your word and to what we have learned from you, Lord. Lord, your, your word is very clear that the things that we've learned, that, Lord, we need to be faithful, to teach others who are faithful, that they will teach others also. And, Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do here tonight with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. How many here tonight would say, Brother Bill, you know, I I didn't grow up with a dad or a mom who taught me in the things of the Lord, but I am a testimony of God's grace, and I'm just grateful 
that I got to be a part of God's family. If that's true, would you raise your hand? Amen. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Amen. Now, maybe you're here tonight and you say, now, Brother Bill, because I've come to know the Lord, you know, He's so special to me. I really need wisdom in helping the next generation and the next generation and the next generation to come to Christ. And you'd say, would you please pray for me that God would help me to know how to, to communicate that truth and how to leave that legacy on to the next generations, a legacy of faith. And you'd say, please pray for me about that. Would you raise your hand if that's your prayer tonight? Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. How many here tonight, you just be honest, and I, I, I know no one else is looking. I don't want to embarrass you. But maybe you've got a son, a daughter, a family member who has gone far astray. And tonight you just say, Bill, would you pray for me that God would bring them back to himself? It's going to take a miracle. Please pray for me about that. Would you raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Can I encourage you to do something? Miss Christie's going to play. But maybe there's someone God's put on your heart tonight. And you say, you know, if they were to ever come to Christ, it would just take a miracle. Would you come up and pray for them? Would you just leave your place and maybe find a place to pray, whether it's there at your own seat or you want to come here to the altar? That's great. But just, just take a moment and just say, Lord, please reach my child, reach my son, my daughter, reach my nephew, my niece. Lord, help me to have wisdom in knowing how to reach them. You know, the Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I, I don't know if I'll ever know just how important my prayers are until someday when I reach glory and, and God shows me that those prayers were mightily answered by my Lord. And as a church tonight, could we just bow for a moment before Almighty God and say, Lord, you are able to do exceeding abundantly beyond what we can even ask or think. And Lord, would you please do that?